podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Rapper to review of the Liverpool Ladies season. We've got John Gibbons with me here, Neil Atkinson, but we've got Heather Carroll who goes to every game, sees everything for us and lets us know what's gone on. And it's... We spoke to Scott Rogers at the start of the season, Heather, and we were all sitting around. It was quite an interesting one, really. And one of the things that was being said around them was that Liverpool could find themselves in real trouble. In reality, Liverpool have, have found themselves essentially finishing fifth mid-table but two points behind Birmingham uh, Arsenal, Chelsea and Man City all above very much best of the rest that sort of territory Yeah I think what was strange about the season was everyone was tipping us and Birmingham as the relegation favourites and us and Birmingham arguably finished as you said best of the rest you know, we finished just behind the expected top three um, of City, Chelsea and Arsenal and then you've got Birmingham and then we're a couple of points behind Birmingham right in smack bang in mid-table and that's it is slap banging mid. I mean, the Birmingham, for instance, we we went to Birmingham, we got beat. Mm-hmm. So you know, if we win at Birmingham, then those two. But positions it's, it's flip. up to grabs last day of the season, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, against Arsenal, and they had a real good go against Arsenal. You yeah. know, it was just a just a mad high scoring games that you sometimes yeah. get at the end of seasons. But you know, it was fourth was up for grabs on on the last day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was still to play for. Yeah, Birmingham had scored. Um, 11 goals all season up until the last day and then scored 7 as well at Sunderland <laughs> so it was, a, it was a bit of a bizarre day all round that's absolutely wild he scored 7 <laughs> seven in an afternoon I mean it, well, I was going to say that the other thing about Liverpool in comparison to Birmingham and you've both sort of underlined the points and undermined it to equal effect is they were also involved in a lot of en- more entertaining games there was more goals in Liverpool's games you know there was more of a spectacle and also you feel as though and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong but Birmingham were not too dissimilar to last season whereas Liverpool were strongly on a journey here with the new manager the new coach nine signings at the start of the season that effectively a completely different squad which they're now beginning to refine is that fair? Yeah it's fair especially if you look at our goal difference we scored I think nine more goals than Birmingham over the course of the year but we conceded 23 24 goals something like that so um, although we were scoring goals we were creating goals there was a lot more goals from across the team this year as well whereas last year I think we relied too much on one player um, you know the responsibilities were shared out a little bit more and you could see that in the goals but then we conceded quite a lot as well so yeah we conceded 10 more than Birmingham but scored uh, scored nine more so yeah. you know again that's pretty close and much of a muchness but it is the other thing to point out as well when you're looking across the whole season Heather is that Liverpool have actually only lost two games league games since May mm-hmm. um which in the context of the fact that Chelsea lost three across the campaign, Arsenal four, Birmingham themselves three and Man City didn't lose at all. You know, again, that's that that's indicative of the strength of this Liverpool side as the seasons wore on. They just basically lose that late game to Arsenal and the one two games earlier to Birmingham. But apart from that, they were they, they didn't lose any since May. No, they, they had an unbeaten run of eight games as well. It pretty much kick started from we got beat, I think it was away at Chelsea at the end of April. We got beat six three. Um, which was another <laughs> crazy game to go and watch. Um, but then after that, we, you know, we, we got we won four 0 at Sunderland away when beat them four 0 and then we drew twice with Manchester City, who up until that point hadn't dropped a point, hadn't conceded a goal. We were the first team to do back, that to both of them, you know, back to back over back to back ties. So I think that was um, you know we really pushed on from that, and then we went and got the eight, you know eight games unbeaten, we beat Arsenal away, picked up points against Red and Doncaster at home. And then uh, it, it, we lost against Birmingham, which ended that unbeaten run. But and in terms of the other teams, would you, I mean, obviously City are the standout side. But would you say that it'd be fair to, to say Arsenal were a bit disappointing this year because I think they had a very aggressive summer, including taking a player off Liverpool, and you know they looked like they'd be right up there in, in a title challenge, and, and it never really kind of happened for them. I mean, that, it seems silly to say because they came third, which isn't bad, but. It still feels like a bit of an underachievement for me. Yeah, I think Arsenal had a very inconsistent season. Um, I tipped them um, this year as, as uh, one of my favourites for the league, but 
Um, they brought in a lot of players though, and they had a lot of competition with different yeah. places. And I don't think that's City felt them. a bit more settled. Yeah, City had a very, very strong start in 11, whereas Arsenal had a very strong 18, and I think it made it a little bit, maybe a little bit, caused a little bit of unrest in the dressing room between players. And you know, they, they, they took two players off Liverpool, they took Oshibala around Farrah yeah. Williams. Um, yeah. They brought in Josie Taylor, who didn't actually play till the end of the season. They brought in a German defender, so they, they added a lot of quality, but it just didn't seem to play off on the pitch as, as well as it did for Liverpool at certain points over the course of the season. I think the, the one of the things that sort of stands out is, you know, John mentioned Manchester City there, Heather, and looking at City, you know, they, they, they won the FA Cup as well. Um, they've picked up, I'm looking right the way across here, I mean, just to put it in context for people, it's 16 games the league season, uh, they scored 36, they only conceded four. That's, mm. you know, that, that is averaging a quarter of a goal a game. Yeah. And if you're only conceding a quarter of a goal a game, you're going to be broadly speaking all right, no matter what happens. They didn't lose a game all season. And that, whilst Chelsea outscored them across the campaign, that's the thing that suggests the class and the strength of mm. Manchester City and the gulf between them and everybody else, including Chelsea, include and and then dropping that down to Liverpool, and then maybe there's another drop off then towards Notts County. Is that fair? Yeah, it's fair. The you know Manchester City they've actually gone all year unbeaten in ninety minutes. They've only lost one cup game in extra time. Um, you know that was in the first half of the year as well. But when you look across the league, you've got a lot of inconsistency below from below at Chelsea and Manchester City. Everyone else has been fairly inconsistent. If you look at the yeah. the win draw lose ratios of the rest of the teams and not County especially, I think they've been our bogey team. We've only took one point off them again this season, which is disappointing. Hugely disappointing. Yeah, going right the way down there. You know, just 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 to give people the final the final table, and you can see the gaps of the cracks and the gaps as they develop. It's City with forty two points, five points beneath them is Chelsea, uh, five points beneath them is Arsenal, five points beneath them is Birmingham. So Birmingham are on twenty seven, and then Liverpool are two points behind Birmingham on twenty five. But then there's an, a nine point gap from Liverpool to Notts County, a six point gap from Notts County to Sunderland, and then Reading are only a point behind Sunderland. And Doncaster Rovers, Bells only finished with three points, only winning the last game of the season. So they effectively lost fifty the first 15 games of the campaign and this is it's difficult isn't it how for Heather sort of Manchester City they're in the they've qualified for the Champions League they're in the last eight but one of the problems that they're almost going to have here is it's yes everyone else has got to find some sort of way to rise up to challenge them but you know, it, it feels as though, to a certain extent, the one thirteen out of sixteen has a bit of a canter, and that, that that that's a bit troubling for the whole league as a whole. Yeah, it's it's almost been a little bit too easy for them, and as a result, you know, the league had no momentum going into the last few games of the season. It didn't help that Manchester City themselves didn't even play in the last game of the season. You know, so the league title was all tied up. I think about six weeks before. Yeah. Uh, the final game. Yeah, ages so, ago, I remember. Yeah. I remember all the pictures and things, and so that. Like, not long after they had the cup final, and you know, I yeah. remember all of it. Yeah. That was it. It all happened in like about the same week, but it was, it was in October that they won the league, and then everyone else. Had to play out the last game of the season, knowing that everyone's been tied up. You know, Doncaster have been relegated. City have already won the league. Chelsea have qualified the Champions League. So everyone else is just playing for those little mid-table placings. Kind yeah, of thing. Difficult to get going on that, and you know, John. I mean, the, the the positive is from 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 a Liverpool ladies' point of view. You know, there's very clear targets above the Arsenal seven points ahead, Chelsea twelve points ahead. You know, that's the, the that's that's the hill to climb now. There's the markers as you go in. Yeah, there are markers, and it's it's quite intimidating, really, in a way, because you know it's not, from now on every every league position get, gets that bit tougher to, to to make up. But as Scott said when he when he came in the start of the season, it's a young squad. He's he's deliberately lowered the average age, and he's brought in young, hungry players, and so they should hopefully be able to grow together. There should be better consistency next year. You'd hope. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he if he hopes not to have a, a big turnaround, I mean, it certainly won't be as big as, as last season, but, you know, just, just kind of adding a couple and, and making sure he keeps hold of, of, of players, I think will, will be very important to Liverpool and just trying to 
build as a group really and build the understanding and, and build kind of what to do together and and, and I'm sure that's what he'll be hoping to do. And, and they've got a real opportunity to do that because, they, you know, they haven't got maybe the spending power of the others ahead of them. So you've got to try and find a different way. And this is the way they've, they've, they've gone about it. And I think it's a really good start in terms of, you know, what I'm sure is a three-year project for him to um, to get Liverpool, you know, challenge of her title. You speak to him, uh, Heather, more than we do. Does he, do you think he thinks it's a three-year project? Yeah, very much so. And, you know, I think the team that he's built, the squad that he's built, building at the moment, it's very good squad you've got a little bit of competition in places you've seen it this year you know last year we had a lot of injuries and we struggled a lot more than we did this year whereas this year Alex Greenwood gets injured Mandy Vandenberg comes in Marva Harris has been out for most of the season so Tarno Money has come in and had the best year uh, better than most other right backs in the league so it's you know we've got a lot more a lot more depth in the squad and a lot more people that you can rely on to step up rather than having to rely on the youngsters like we did last year. Well, I mean, it's jumping ahead, but let's let's jump ahead a little bit before we begin to sort of look back across the season. Is what John says accurate there? Do you think that it'll be, for, for, for Scott, it'll be the idea of looking for three or four players mm. with real quality, knowing that he's already got the basis within the squad rather than the idea that he's going out and looking to, to, do, nine, to do eight, nine changes like he did at the start of this season? Yeah, very much. I think we just need, I think we need a striker. We need to bring a striker in. Uh, I think we need a defender. And then I don't think we need really any more, maybe two or three, I'd even say. Two or three rather than yeah. even three or four. Well, let's talk about what went well then. I mean, you mentioned Satara Murray there at the back. That's one of the first ones that looks mm-hmm. as though it's gone well. But also, Murray Bonner, the goalkeeper, uh, Chamberlain, it feels as though across the course of the campaign that you know you don't go eight games unbeaten without a really strong understanding back there. Yeah, it was interesting because, as I said earlier, you know, the when it all turned around was when we got beat 6-3 away at Chelsea. The next game, we go to Sunderland away. Mandy Vandenberg, who'd been playing next to Gemma Bonner all season up until then, was ill and couldn't play. So they put Sophie Ingle in the back there alongside Bonner, who they'd played together at Chelsea before. Um, and then all of a sudden, you go on this unbeaten run. I think we only conceded two goals over the eight games as well. And you know, then Mandy Vandenberg can't get back in the team in a, in a preferred position because the back line's performing so well. So is that one of the reasons why, you know, just to sort of pull it all together as we talk, uh, Mandy Vandenberg's now, it was announced this week that mm-hmm. she's left, uh, contract expired and she's, she's going to go on somewhere else. Is that one of the reasons why? Because Liverpool would rather settle down and have Bonner and Ingle as the centre-half partnership next season, do you think? I think that'll be interesting. At the um, at the end of season awards, Sophie Ingle won Players Player of the Year and when she got up, she was actually asked that, you know, do you want to move back into midfield? And she kind of laughed a little bit and said, I'd rather play in midfield, but, you know, whatever, Scott wants me to play. Um and I, I don't know, I just think that the, her and Bonner together work so well. You know, Since Gemma Bonner's come to Liverpool, she's had a different centre-back partner every year. And even though she's always performed consistently, maybe the, 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 the person alongside her hasn't. So this year, I think, to find someone that can, she can play alongside, you know, just as well as her, I think maybe we should stick with that. But we'll see if he's, if he's got anyone to come in. Okay, um, strikes me as interesting. Bonner herself, I mean, she didn't win any of the awards at the end of season awards, but that mm-hmm. felt to me like it was someone all, else's go. Yeah, it really felt <laughs> to me like someone had other words and said, consult, not maybe, maybe even her herself, uh, because she might have been embarrassed about it. Because again, um, all the highlights I've seen, and, and when I managed to see, see the ladies in the flesh a couple of times this season, she's a standout performer and also personality it's fair to say she she very much is in charge of that team on the pitch and she's mm-hmm. very much in charge of herself and everything that she does she's just commanding from start to finish yeah very much so you know this year she's come in and we've got a new a new team and i think getting here to sign on for another another year was a big intention a big statement of intention from scott you know getting here to commit when there've been rumors that she was you know being pursued by other clubs yeah so i think getting here to sign on and commit to the club you know was you know um a real show of intent for scott and as I said, you know, playing alongside Ingle at the back, she's she's really knuckled down and 
it, she's got a lot of players along, alongside her that she can you know motivate and stuff like that you can still hear her shouting you know yeah. throughout the games and stuff she still leads by example it's it's interesting what Heather says there, John, about you know we we've seen the speed with which they can be turned over. Liverpool did lose Farah Williams last season to Arsenal. That it's a major thing, isn't it? If Bonner stays and yeah stays and stays committed because she could she if you're Bonner you've got two ways to look at this. You can either have the attitude of well there's these three sides above us. If I want to win things, I can go and play for one of them. Yeah. Or you can think there's us. I can work here with us and get us good enough to win things in in competition with them. And that she's chosen the latter as a real boost for the club. It is yeah. I mean there's the England thing as well, which I think was. Surely on her mind, the fact that, that she's rather bizarrely kind of, you know, uh, often overlooked for England, really. And that must have been weighing on her mind a little bit, thinking, well, I've got more chance if I'm, if I'm challenging for league titles. Not that it particularly helped her when, when we were, but, you know, it must, it must be kind of weighing on her mind a little bit. But she has decided to stay. And I think that was vital because it's all, it's all well and good saying, oh, we want a young squad and you're saying we're a hungry squad and things like that. But you need some experience in there. You need some guidance and you need someone to... To, you know, who's been around the football club for a long time as well, I think really helps as well. You know, especially if things are going wrong, and if, if you know, it was it was a tricky start. It wasn't a bad start, but a tricky start, and it, and it, you know, it, and it was having someone like that who's able to keep heads calm, who's able to, to guide when when necessary, is is really really vital. And she's such a good footballer as as well that it's it it was a real real boost for the club. And it was interesting because Scott said kind of when we spoke to him that he didn't actually lose that many players that he didn't want to uh, which I thought was quite interesting I think Ashawala was the main one wasn't he that he was a bit gutted about but you know but but I'm sure Bono would have been right at the top of people who want to keep and and so great for the football club that he did Okay, moving forward then, Satara, um, Murray you mentioned before, but mm. playing at right back and sitting in at right back this season for Martha Harris uh, predominantly, but she's she's grabbed the opportunity really, you know, Martha's only only managed to grab herself four appearances all season because of the injuries, but mm-hmm. Murray played 13 times for the side, um, It's it suggests that she might be able to nail, that, nail right back down long term really. Yeah, she's had a really impressive season, I think equalities were there last season for everyone to see. You know, but she's coming to she, last year since she came into a new league and she's playing an, out of position. She was playing centre back where she's always played right back. Is that right? Before. Yeah, I just presume right she, she's converted. Yeah, so she was playing in a new league against different players, yeah. you know, it's a different pace from college football in America. And this season, I think she's trans. She's shown those qualities in a natural position. She's been very, very impressive. Uh, and then go on. No, I was just uh, I was just interested to hear that. How how's she been sort of going forward? Because really? she's obviously yeah. she's she's solid defensively. She's good in the air. But how's she been from an attacking point of view? Uh, fantastic! If you at the Arsenal game, there was like two interceptions made in the Arsenal half. The kick started, you know, with attacks for us. And I think she can win the ball up front. But she also kept Tony Duggan very quiet during the two games mm. that we played against Manchester City and played a big part in the in the, the fact that we were the first team to keep Man City from scoring. Great. Excellent. Um, and then moving moving forward through into sort of midfield, it's noticeable again that um, that this season uh, that, that Longhurst got a lot, got 14 starts, which is about as, as much as anybody else in the middle of the park. Natasha Harden gets herself 18 in the end. But, you know, it's it, it, did she, we went last time we've done these shows, talked about if she can nail down a regular mm-hmm. position. Did she manage to do that over the course of the campaign? Yeah, I think she did. I think she's formed a really good partnership with Laura Coombs, um, in the middle and what was interesting about Case as well was she wasn't being used as an attacking midfielder as I thought she would be she was very much used as the holding midfielder so she would sit whereas Coombs would go forwards mm. um, whereas I thought it would be the other way around yeah. but it was very much Kate would sit and so when Laura Coombs got injured it didn't really make much too much difference because you know Kate was uh, still there 
It's uh, you know it's 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 good that she's managed to get something nailed down there in the middle of the park. Next one that I wanted to talk about with you was uh, was the, the effectively the arrival properly of Katie Zellum as well. You know she it's uh, she's had a fantastic season right the way through. Again, Young doesn't often get the full minutes, doesn't often get the full ninety, but across the course of the you know across the course of the campaign, she's very much put a marker down going into next season. Yeah, she's been used as a as an impact player mostly over the course of the season and she scored about I think she scored four goals off the bench at the end of the first half of the year she came on when we were 3-0 down against Notts County and scored two goals from the penalty spot um, she scored the penalty against Birmingham to equalise when we were away from them later in the year and then she scored a fantastic winning goal against Redden um, which all the Redden fans afterwards were saying she, she meant to cross that but no way <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having that now it's a lovely goal um, it's, again it's, it's 20 years old and you know this is the, this season you're saying she's been again a bit more of an impact player and even when she started it's been noticeable that she's been subbed off mm-hmm. uh, a great deal across the you know across the course of the campaign but it is a it is going to be uh, for uh, next season again she's one of the ones who you feel as though Scott Rogers will have his eye on mm-hmm. in terms of the fact that thinking next season she may not necessarily be nailed on first 11 in his head but she's almost certainly probably number 12 or number 13 is that fair? Yeah I think that would be fair to say I think even when she was on the bench you know, she was the first player to come off it when we needed someone to make a difference on the pitch and you know, she, she was the one that he looked to to come on and, and make that difference um, and you know when you've got someone that you can rely on to come and get goals from the bench you know, it's not a bad option to have the other one that struck out when we were talking at the start of the start of the campaign, we talked about the new signings. And before we talk about Van der Sanden, I want to talk about Emma Lund, who mm. also was, it's being announced has left the club this week. And it just feels like it never got going for her. Before the ball was kicked, you were actually saying you'd looked at the goals to games ratio, yeah. and it wasn't it wasn't what you'd have hoped for or expected. And she was just completely unable to even to match that ratio across the course of the season for Liverpool. And by the time the season finished, she just wasn't starting. No, she she didn't really start much at the, at, the, at the beginning of the season either. It was a bit of a weird one. Um, she she sat out. She wasn't even in the match day squad on a few games at the start of the season, and then I think once the team started performing well, she then found it hard to crack into the team. And maybe when she was coming on the bench, she wasn't yeah. so confident. I mean, she only scored two goals across the course of the season. It's it's not a return that people would have hoped no, for at all, no, especially not from a number nine. You know, coming over and taking over from number nine, chef Natasha Dowie. You know, you guarantee it'll get you at least ten goals a season. Um, it's a bit disappointing, but we'll always have the goal against Devon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange one, isn't it? John? I mean, you know, that, the fact that she was the re- in inverted commas the replacement for Dabby, and I think that you know, at, even at the start of the season, Heather was saying, and even Scott, I think, was saying that they expect everyone to replace Dabby. Yeah. The goals will be yeah. shared, but now it makes it quite clear, sort of, where there's an e- there's an obvious line for improvement. How do we get better? Will we get someone who can do that better? That, I mean, that to me, that seems like it might be the straightforward yeah, thing. It's well, easy to say. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's easy to say, isn't it? And it could be. It could be very difficult to execute. I think maybe Scott's issue with the Dowie situation was they got so reliant on her that uh, you know it was just well get the ball up to Tasha and see what she can do. Whereas you know he wants to he wants the, a greater share of responsibility. Uh, I think he's 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 got that this season, but then you know maybe too far the other way, and it's it's just finding someone who can do that that's not at the, one of the top clubs already, and that'll be the challenge over the break. And that's what I'm sure they'll be looking for is that you know is 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 there someone you know they can convert? Is there someone who's already at the club that they can use in a slightly different way, or is it going to be a case of of going out and get somewhere? I'm sure they'll try and strengthen. It's just kind of whether they can do it, whether they can look to to Europe or even over to America and, and see if there's anyone about. Um, you know, it's a, it's a challenge for the football club, but sometimes for for any team, it's it's nice having a. a, a unknown problem mm-hmm. do you know what I mean it's nice to say well, well this is this is somewhere we can definitely improve rather than 
I don't know. I guess you know there was it was a case sometimes watching them last year where you were like, well, I don't really know what what it is they need to do, and it, it turned out to be a complete shake up. But I think when a when a football club you know, you just say, no, we just need to get people back or we just need to get people playing well, then, you know, that's that that's a, more, a trickier problem than, than actually there's, there's one or two players, you know, if we could get them in, that would really transform this side. Over the course of this year as well, Caroline Weir's been playing as almost a false nine. Yeah. Um, she's been playing in the middle of, you know, Harden and Van der Sanden up front. But then the last couple of games of the year, they had Ashley Hodson uh, lead the line up front. So I don't know if that was Scott's way of just testing her out and seeing, you know, see if that's a solution. Yeah, yeah. see if that's a solution to, the, to that up front. But well, you mentioned Caroline Weir there, and she's ended up the, the top scorer in the side, playing in that sort of false nine sort of role there. Yeah. Uh, Heather, it's quite. In, it, it strikes me as, again, 2021, 20, I think she is. Yeah. Again, frighteningly another, young. Another frighteningly yeah. young footballer who's, who Liverpool have managed to pick up. They picked her up from Bristol, and maybe another another one like her who's maybe a little bit more of a centre forward for her to play off. But yeah. she seems to have enjoyed that false nine role, really, picking little pockets of space up. You've been writing about it all season. It might sort of arriving onto things rather than having to just lead the line. Yeah, I mean, I think she's she's definitely been a fantastic player for us. She was this fans year. player of the year, was she? Uh, she won fans player of the year, yeah, goal of the season. Although she she had her own competition, I think, for that. Uh, <laughs> is, she, is she going somewhere or was this just for a bit? Because this is something um, that confuses me in women's football. Sometimes they say, oh, they've signed for this club and you panic and it just it just happens to be for a month or two. Is no, she going somewhere to play a bit of football? I don't think she's or? going anywhere, no. Oh, right, okay. No, not that one. She's making stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's, um, I mean, if you can, you know, watch some of the goals that she scored this year on YouTube because they've been absolutely fantastic. There's two goals against, she just basically, went, we were away at Doncaster towards the end of the year. We go 1-0 down and then out of nowhere, she just scores these two absolute peaches of goals and they just come from nowhere. And from that, you know, turns the game round that we go on to win. Um, I've never seen a, a play like it. They should, the ball just sticks to her feet. Uh, the way she can play away out of tight spaces and, and stuff like that. You mentioned you mentioned as well Van der Sanden and Harding. Uh, Harding sort of moving around a little bit. Van der Sanden's mm. been used for a pace primarily, first and foremost. Harding's a bit more, a bit more of this and that, if you know what I mean. But neither of them, again, for the way Liverpool have been playing and looking to play, they haven't quite quite got the goal return that I think mm-hmm. the manager would have looked for on the one hand but on the other hand both of them are expected to be here next season both of them have impressed yeah. it's just sort of turning I think they both ended up with about three goals three goals each yeah. I think it's turning sort of three goals into six or seven is that fair? Yeah I think that's fair to say and I think if you know having Caroline Weir play as that false nine if they had someone that was playing up front maybe they'd have you know a better ratio on, on that Um Natasha Harden at the start of the year she was moved about a bit when Martha Harris first went out injured so Tyron Murray wasn't ready to come back so Natasha Harden played right back for a few games at the start of the year um, whereas Van der Sanden she also came off the bench a few times as well so but no her, her, her pace is, is, is insane uh, we've seen her running at the yeah. back line she's just I don't think there's a left back that has, she hasn't got the better of this year but it's then it, it's then doing the next thing and again that throws mm-hmm. open that as you say maybe they'd be more comfortable with a slightly more conventional sort of centre forward next to next to either of them to play off and work with. That's it, yeah. If we got someone in like a you know a number nine that that will will play up front, but then I don't think Scott wants the conventional number nine. Maybe he does want someone who can play with the ball mm-hmm. at the feet a little bit more. So uh, we'll see. I mean, I know that um, Arsenal released Natalia at the end of the season, and I thought she could be an interesting option, but I think she's already signed for someone else. Well, anyone else stand out? Talking about Arsenal, uh, Chamberlain came from there as well mm-hmm. at, the, at the start of the campaign, and she started the campaign really, really well. How did she finish it? 
Um, she started well the, the game against Arsenal I think she was very unlucky but one of the goals which bounced in front of her uh, before going in um, but I think she said herself afterwards she didn't have the greatest of the night uh, but I think you know over the course of the season she's been very much a vocal presence at the back Yeah, um, I was going to say she just seems a great personality for the team yeah. as well you know a goalkeeper from what I've seen has been superb overall but but also just a, a, a personality and the, the team obviously lost a, a few personalities with the changes and with, with people leaving and, and so she was a a great buy I think both in terms of a goalkeeping but also a, a presence around the squad the fact that she gets into it I think she's great on Twitter mm, she's very which, which, which makes it which makes a difference you know yeah. when, you, when you're trying to get people down to watch it and yeah just a, just a great addition to the football club I think mm-hmm. yeah she's very experienced she's been training with the development squad as well I've seen yeah. she, she puts it up the other day saying she'd been training with them you know and after the games you'd see she was pulling the younger players over and talking to them about points of the game and stuff like that I think I mentioned that earlier in the year um, so that's been that's been great to see and she's very very experienced she's been in the WSL since it started before that she played in the Premier League she's been at loads of different clubs um, but yeah very much a lead and she played with Sophie Engel before obviously at Bristol so I think that helped as well So this is where you're expecting you know when you're expecting maybe two or three signings it's, it's to complement a lot of these positive plays we've mentioned is there anyone rumoured that you, or is there anyone that you'd like to see Liverpool sort of get after who aren't currently playing for City, Chelsea and Arsenal? Uh, I've, I've, I've heard a couple of rumours about um, an interesting one is that Tony Duggan uh, hasn't signed a new contract yet at Manchester City and their contract is up um, so I've seen a few people, you know, wondering about what her future is going to be. But I'd be very surprised if she didn't stay at Manchester City. Um, but we'll see. She was left out their team a few times over the course of the second half of the season. Which I think that'd be an interesting take. She's also a Liverpool fan. No, get away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, but with that sort of, um, with one eye next season, you've mentioned, well, we've mentioned Manchester City are in, uh, are in the Champions League there. But Vandenbergen and, and Lund are leaving. Rosie White as well. Mm. Uh, Rosie White is, is she going back to? Uh, is she going? Is she going over to? She's going to Boston. Boston is she another yeah. one going to Boston? Yeah, there's. I think there's six of them there now. Yeah, I was say. <laughs> yeah. Liverpool uh, breakers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's another one who's going over to Boston. But I mean, you know, losing losing them isn't great. So certainly losing Rosie White isn't great. I think you're. You know, we've mentioned Vandenbergen and, and and Lund haven't been able to quite settle one way or the other. Yeah. But it is then sort of. It is then the idea of strengthening and getting it getting it done. But the other thing as well that sticks out to me is, is the change in format next season. And I can't quite work out if that buys Liverpool a bit of time or not. What do you think? I think it will. I think a lot of people might use it to get their youth players more involved. Um, so it'll... talk about the change of format. Yeah, for quite what's happening. Change in format. So <laughs> it's going to be changing to a winter season from next September. But to bridge the gap between now and then, they're going to play a spring series from February to May, which will entail each team playing each other once. Um, so leading into the Euros in the summer. So there'll be there'll, there'll be nine nine games nine effectively games. in the league season. And the FA Cup uh, will finish in May as well. So you'll have a few games in the FA Cup. So that's what's happening, John. I quite like a spring series. If I have one myself, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it entails. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lovely phrase, isn't it? I know, spring series. I, I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's me walking around Wales. <laughs> <laughs> that is the spring series. But you think they might might be effectively almost used as used as if I say a pre-season, that'd be wrong. But used mm. as you know for all these sides as an, as an elongated developmental season. Yeah, to, to have a look at players and maybe experiment a little bit with with different players and things like that. It'll be interesting to see who you can actually bring in if you can bring anyone in from abroad um, or if people are going to be looking at saying well I don't want to go until next September because we've got the Euros in the summer so if people might play as their settles, own countries, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's going to be interesting to see to see the way in which that goes and then there's yeah. the Euros and then so when the season settles back down into into next September 
It's still going to be nine teams, is it, in the division? Uh, there's going to be ten teams in the division. Yeah, Yeovil and Bristol have Ye- come up. Yeovil and Bristol have come up, and only Doncaster have gone down. Mm-hmm. So it's two big aways for you. Yeah, two massive aways. <laughs> it's significant. So I'm hoping to get them at home in the spring series. In the spring series, at least. But then, yeah. so the, the spring series then is, is, is those sides in there. So that'll be ten. Mm-hmm. So there'll be four or five games at home for Liverpool, plus any yeah. cup games that come along. That's it. And then that's up until May. Then there's the Euros, and then the next step after that then is September. It then settles down into effectively an, an 18 game mm-hmm. league for the 17-18 season is the plans to shift the sort of the you know to, to make it more regular across the course of the campaign because it's been such a disjointed long campaign to play 16 league games you know we've yeah. been it, it's been going since March it's worth pointing that out to people and, and yeah. you know we're now in November for 16 league games is there, is there a plan to condense it a little bit more? Yeah I think that's one of the aims of switching it to the winter season is to try and get it a little bit more regular you know, at the end of the year, we played our last three home games were six weeks, then nine weeks apart, which is just ridiculous. You know, you can't, how are you supposed to attract people to come and watch you play when it, the games are that far apart? Mm. And a lot of the time as well, the, the teams weren't playing on the same night. Everyone was playing on different nights, yeah. different days. So there's just no excitement around the league. I think if we can get everyone playing on the same day or the same time, then it just causes a little bit more excitement around the league. Certainly when it's not the case that every game's televised. I mean, if every yeah. game is televised, you can make the argument, oh, well, you don't want them all at the same time, mm-hmm. but they're not. The, there's only one televised a week. Are they looking at, looking yeah. at that as well in terms of... Because one of the things that we so we found hard, just, just in the office, and I'm sure we could make it easier for ourselves somehow, but for instance, even just getting highlight to the game, yeah. sometimes anything beyond sort of a three minute segments of goals is really difficult that's it yeah sometimes the highlights that you just show the goals and then that's it isn't it and so I think it's hard to show that but Liverpool actually stream on their games live on Facebook yeah um at the end of the season and it had a lot of interest you know there was a lot of people watching it I think they had over 10,000 viewers at one point on the live stream and it was on LFC TV as well um so that could be interesting you know I know the league allowed a few teams to do it Chelsea streamed a game Man City streamed a game so it'd be interesting if there's that's an option for a few games next season no, yeah, we just to see how it goes. I think it allowed them to kind of feel like greater ownership of the, the stadium as well, because obviously the, the rugby league, it's a rugby league ground, but rugby league's a summer sport. So at the moment, the, you know, they're not just sharing with Everton ladies, but they're sharing with the rugby league side. I'm sure there's the developmental rugby league sides you play there occasionally and stuff as well. I think the, the, the rugby team might, might actually train there too. And so I think I think having maybe, maybe the move to winter, you know, more regular games would be fantastic and a bit more of a schedule, but. But also, I think just just to allow themselves to feel like it's more it's more theirs, it's more their home. While while they would be allowed to kind of all away and all having a bit of a break, I think I think I think might help the club a little bit as well because I know the Liverpool offices are there as well, aren't they? Uh, they used to be. I think they've moved. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right then. So I'm going to ask you for your player of the year. Who's your player of the year? Oof. Um, and I'm going to ask you for your young player of the year, although they're all young. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't really feel fair. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've been young thinking about this. Young player might be older time. than the player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Initially, I was going for Tyne Murray as my player of the season, um, but more recently, I've been swaying towards Caroline Weir. Okay, and if I ask you for the young player of the year, let me sort of rephrase it then a little bit because Caroline is twenty-one, so yeah. it now doesn't feel like feel. And, and Satara herself young. It, mm. Who I know you watch the developmental squad as well a lot. Who is this? Is there a name there of someone who you expect to step up into the first team next season, or for either for the spring se- series, or then given given another six months for the for, for, for the next proper full season? I think this season we've already seen a bit of Neve Charles. Um, she's a player that I watched play for the under 17s last year um, and then she actually just skipped the development squad altogether and played a few games for the first team this year she's now dropped back down and she's been banging them in every week uh, got a, v- a very very talented development squad at the moment though they've got uh, they've just gone seven games unbeaten 
in the league, they're top of their league. Yeah. Um, they've just put seven past Doncaster Bells at the weekend. Doncaster Bells can't buy a win, can they? No, that's six different goal scorers as well, which is a really great game to watch. You've got um, Ali Johnson's a very exciting talent to to watch. Um, who else? What? Emily Revitt's just made a comeback from an ACL injury. Very, very talented player. She had a call up for Wales just before she got injured as well. Wales senior team. Uh, she's just turned twenty one, I think, or just turned twenty one soon. Yeah, it was a shame about Doncaster, wasn't it? Because it's traditional name in women's football, mm. isn't it? Doncaster Bells, so it was nice to kind of get them back, but it just seemed to start badly and go worse for them. Players leaving yeah. you know, very quickly and things like that. And just a real shame. And you want the leagues to be competitive as well. You don't want a team that just everyone's just beating the kind of at the bottom, really. You want it to be exciting at both ends, really, and feel competitive. So uh, who's coming up this year, do you know? Yeah, uh, Yeovil and Bristol. Yeah, so I mean, Bristol have been there recently, haven't they? Yeah, so, they went down last so, year. So kind of should be competitive and hopefully uh, Yeovil can do it. That's a good way. You're going to do it? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to, aren't I? <laughs> 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 I think it's going to be an overnight, that, though. Uh, yeah, Devon, it's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> no, <not laughs> we'll all go. <laughs> <laughs> not unreasonable. Listen, Heather, thank you very much for covering for us in right all the way through the season and for, for, for coming in today and doing this and, and John as well. And uh, let's get ourselves all sorts of settled down and uh, prepped for a spring series. Uh, I'd quite like to see a friction list for this spring series John it <laughs> feels feels that there's something there for us uh, alright then thank you very much to everybody uh, that's been our review of the Liverpool ladies season uh, I hope you've enjoyed it Sports Social Podcast Network